The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. As you know, if you've been tuning in, this show is all about showcasing guests who are meaningfully connected to their work in the hopes we can learn some something from them and be inspired by their stories to pursue our own career dreams. I've had the pleasure of talking with all kinds of people. So far this year, I've had chefs, nonprofit executives, professional racehorse trainers, craft beer brewers, spiritual teachers, CEOs, hypnotherapists, yoga teachers, anthropologists, the list goes on. It's been fun. So with us this week is Hubert Tang. He is joining us from San Francisco, California. He is a, a wine steward working at Vino Volo there in San Francisco, the airport, and is just starting his career in the industry. And I had occasion to meet Hubert when I was on a layover in the San Francisco airport and stopped into Vino Volo for a glass of wine and dinner. And I was intrigued with the passion with which he did his work and explained the wine choices to me. And I asked him about his career, and which I soon understood was early in the making. And I thought, wow, here's someone who's kind of just getting started. Could be an interesting perspective for some of our listeners out there also trying something else. And so I thought it'd be fun to have him on the show. Hubert, it is so nice to have you with us. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for all those kind words. <laughs> You're welcome. I think this is going to be a fun interaction, a fun exchange here. Will you just first start by telling us a little bit about how it is that you introduce yourself and, and what you do at Vino Volo? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Hubert Chang. I am 24 years old, and I currently am a wine sales associate at a company called Vino Volo. Uh, Vino Volo is typically an airport-based wine bar and retail store found all across the U.S. with a couple of stores in Canada. And, uh, you know, um, the company is really passionate about people who uh, want to know wine. They, you actually have to take tests in order to work here. So you have to have a basic understanding of wine and, you know, re- regions in the world. So that's actually a really cool thing that uh, I didn't expect from, like, a big corporate company kind of thing. But, yeah, it's it's been very cool. <laughs> Wow. So that's interesting. I, I think you might have mentioned that when, when we met there in San Francisco, but can you tell us a little bit about that process? That's interesting that you have to take a test. And so tell me about the application process and the test and say a little bit about that, what you went through. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I had sent in my resume like any typical job. And uh, since it is in the airport, you know, it, it is a little uh, different going just like walking into an interview. You have to be a you have to be escorted by um, the manager uh, through security, and then you do a you know just a regular interview process. You know, they ask a bunch of questions. They you know want to figure out what kind of person you are, and then you know once you get the okay from that, then you go through two background checks. 
um, through the FBI, one for Vino Volo, the company, and then another for the airport itself. So you have to do a little bit of a wait, you know. <laughs> um, it took roughly about a week for me um, to uh, be background checked. And then after I was background checked, uh, you have to take a terminal safety test for the airport. And then that takes another week or depending on how fast or slow they process um, your request. Uh, and then you get your airport badge, which basically lets you walk through the, the TSA line, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, and then uh, for the company, the, the way that it works is that you start out pretty much as um, a trainee. And then um, they make you go through a series of tests so that you become from a trainee to an associate to a uh, wine sales associate and then a senior wine associate and then manager, pretty much. And um, these tests, uh, you take them within usually the first three weeks that uh, you were first hired. And um, it's kind of like a PDF course. You know, um, they tell you about, you know, Napa Valley, Sonoma, um, you know, uh, Bordeaux, Burgundy, um, all the wine regions in the world. And then they'll give you basic knowledge on what grapes grows best or what's popular there. Um, and then they quiz you on it at, at the end of the, like, 10-page little uh, course. And so uh, I thought that was really unique. <laughs> That's actually very encouraging. Um, I know that I've been it to is. some places, yeah, where it didn't seem like the people really did know their stuff. And and of mm-hmm. course, when I met you, I knew immediately that you did know your stuff. And now I know why. <laughs> what yeah. a, what a process! I know it's 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 a very unique thing. Um, so when I had to when when they told me that I had to take these courses, I was like, "What really? That's actually really cool because then you kind of." know that you really are working with like-minded people or people who are passionate about this industry, passionate about wine. And it's, it's a uh, very like, um, kind of very, uh, affirming, you know, it's like, oh, this is the place that I want to be in right now. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the work that you do at Vino Volo. It's very clear to me that you like it. It's abundantly obvious when you interact with someone who likes their work, and you and you clearly exude that. What is it about your work that you like? There's so many elements about my work that I enjoy. You know, first, it's all the wines that that we have just in our store, whether we pour it or sell it in retail. There's so much knowledge to gain just, you know, um, just being there without the guests or anything. And then obviously it comes the guests. Uh, it's so much fun just talking to people who have an interest in wine, who, who uh, uh, like love wine, who have been drinking wine probably longer than I've been alive. You know, <laughs> um, it's just nice to meet people um, and talk, you know, every, everyone, uh, everyone that I've met so far at Fino Volo, they've always been super nice. Um, they'll like, they have, you know, a couple sips of their wine, and they'll tell you all about um, this trip that they took to Argentina, and they ended up riding donkeys to to go to these far out vineyards, or you know, the last time they were in France and backpacking across Europe, or working in a winery in Napa. I, I hear all these amazing stories um, from people who, you know, know what they want to do, and uh, it's just 
so awesome. I don't think I would ever have this experience anywhere else. So those are definitely the the perks. <laughs> Talking wow. to people. Yeah. So the connection with people is obviously pretty high up there. What about the actual mm-hmm. wine itself? I mean, when, when we were there, I think I started with a glass of champagne, and you suggested mm-hmm. that. So you clearly have a, 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 a willingness to be able to say, well, try this. Um, what about the actual content there, the stuff that you're actually talking about? How does that play into your your enjoyment, your fulfillment? It's, it's almost kind of a challenge to, to me sometimes when uh, people ask me to suggest wine or things like that. Like, um, they'll, they'll give me like a general base. Oh, uh, I like fruit-forward wines. I like big tannic wines. Or I just like something soft, something mellow. And it's like, okay, so I think to myself, you know, um, and this is fun to me, you know, just trying to figure out what can I pour for you or the guests, what would they enjoy without them having to actually pick something. It's almost kind of like a surprise in a box, if you will. <laughs> um, so that's really fun, too. And just um, that challenges me in the sense that, okay, uh, I'm up to date on my wine knowledge it, are these the characters in the wine that I'm looking for for my guests so that they can enjoy it? And, you know, you know things like that. It's just, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, it's All right. Well, yeah. you are a, a young man. You're 24 years old. And it is interesting to me. I have been drinking wine since as long as you've been around. It's true. Because um, <laughs> I'm almost exactly twice your age. So how did your interest in wine come about? So, uh Six years ago, I decided to work in the culinary business. Um, I went to culinary school. I graduated. Um, and then I've been working in restaurants pretty much ever since then. Um, I've worked at a couple prominent San Francisco restaurants, uh, like the Clubhouse and Ozumo, some pretty um, big restaurants. And then I moved to lower scale, fine dining-esque, uh, if you will. And the thing is, it's it's kind of, common knowledge that food and wine go well together and they, they pair well. But I never really took that much time to think about that. Um, it was always, oh, white wines go with fish, chicken, you know, light meats, whereas reds would go with something heavier like a steak or lamb or a pork chop, something like that, and that's all the thought I gave to it. Um, it wasn't until last year that I had this kind of epiphany moment Um I was out to lunch with a friend of mine, and um, we we have been to this restaurant many a times. It's called B Street and Fine over in uh, San Mateo, California. They do wonderful bruschettas, and um, they have a really nice wine list. So uh, the story pretty much is him and I, we go out to lunch, and we sit down, and I've been to this restaurant multiple times. Um, we, look, we look over the menu, and he goes, or my friend, he goes to me, he do you pick the food, I'll pick the wine. And I was like, okay, sure. I, I wasn't expecting, you know, too much. Uh, like I said, I've, I've been there multiple times, so I kind of expected everything to just be good. And so I ordered like four different kind of bruschettas, and he, my friend orders four different glasses of wine, one for each uh, bruschetta. And uh, having all those wines hair so well kind of like ripped my eyes open if you will uh my eyes just shot open it's like i was in a brand new restaurant it was like a place that i've never been to before 
the pairings and the food elevated one another so well that I I was kind of in disbelief that this was happening before my eyes. Like this place that I've been to so many times was like a completely brand new restaurant to me. And that's when I kind of decided that, oh, you know what? Wine is very interesting and I want to know more about it. And so I just kind of took a, you know, head first dive into the world of wine and I applied at Vino Volo and this is where I am now. Well, of course, you know, I love the word epiphany, Hubert. You know, I'm all over that. that <laughs> it, having a show about working on purpose, epiphany is a great word to be using. So thanks for that. Um, yeah. But I do want... <laughs> I do want to understand a little bit more about that experience. What's, was it that your friend had the ability to do the pairing, that somehow he, you saw or tasted those, those foods in a different way because of the pairing? What was it about that experience of him pairing the wines, do you think, that was so important for you? Yeah, um, he definitely has the ability and the skill. Uh, he is my chef mentor. Uh, he's, you know, about 45, 46. Um, his name is Lynn. And... Uh, he was actually a culinary instructor at um, the school that I went to, uh, Le Cordon Bleu in San Francisco, which is um, under the uh, CCA program, the California Culinary um, Academy. And um, we were just out to lunch, and yeah, he—he, he, um, I, I actually at that point I had no idea that he was so knowledgeable or so well versed in wine. I just thought you know we we were just going to have like a nice little get together. And I didn't expect really anything of it. And that happened, and it was amazing. He he asked me what I wanted to order, and like I said, I ordered like four different kinds. Unfortunately, I can't remember them all. Um, but he ordered one wine for each, because um, they do list the ingredients for the brisquettes that you order. And he's just like, all right, we're going to have this wine with this, this wine with that, and so on and so forth. And... It was really an eye-opening experience. Like I, I've never been so calculated in the way that I eat when I go out. You know, usually I'll order like a couple of things, and I'll have like one or two glasses just for having the sake of having that one or second glass. But he pretty much just was like, "Oh, this brisket has this ingredient. I'll order this, and this one has that, so I'll order that wine for that." Um, it was a really fun day. <laughs> it ended up being a really fun day. I like I said, I didn't I didn't expect much out of it, but it was really interesting. Mm. Yeah, out of that lunch you got your career direction. How cool is that? I know. It was, it was, it was <laughs> kinda crazy. Like I always thought that oh I I'd just be in the back of the kitchen, you know, just cooking away and, you know, slaving away for ten, twelve hours a day. But, you know, I was like, Whoa, this is really interesting. It's really fun. <laughs> Well, also what I like about that as a meaning and work researcher, Hubert, is that what I've learned is that many people have had a similar kind of experience where something happened and in that moment they saw things differently for the first time that gave them some kind of understanding as to what they wanted to do with themselves. And it can be very powerful. I had a a medical doctor on the show who said something similar about having a singular experience of about 30 minutes that made her realize that she wanted to be a medical doctor when she was eight years old. And so these moments that can give us this kind of clarity can be incredibly useful as we navigate our careers and our lives forward. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you told us the details of that story. It's important. It's really important, and it's a fun story. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun story. Um, I, I typically every time I tell this story to the people who are curious, I always get like a smile out of them. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, it 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 touches our heart. There's a lot of people out there and who really would love to know what they're supposed to be doing when they grow up. <laughs> so part of the reason for the show, obviously, is to help give people hope that everybody can at some point if you keep keep working yeah. at it. So uh, I like your story, but um, we've got just maybe a little bit more time before we go on break. So I do want to ask, um, you know, you know because of our time together there in San Francisco that I like big, bold, fruit forward red wines. That's my my flavor profile. Do you have a favorite kind of wine? And if so, what is it? I do have a favorite uh, kind of wine. And um, well, let's let's rephrase this by saying I love wine in general. Um, before I used to drink when when I was not knowledgeable, I used to just drink cabs, you know, big bold red cabs, you know, because that's what what you know men drink, you know, something that's heavy. <laughs> and then slowly over time, you know, I. Uh, I opened up a lot to white wines and rosés, uh, champagnes, or sparkling wines. And, you know, um, they're just, they, there's, every day there, there's a certain mood that a wine can fit into, which is what I love about wine. It's like, I can have a cold glass of this today, tonight, or, you know, I could have something of, like a mellow red, like a Gamay or a Pinot, and, and, it'll, and it'll fit my mood. And it's like, oh, I want to drink something light or I want to drink something heavy. Um, but aside from that, um, my favorites absolutely are Burgundy wines uh, from France. Um, okay. They do wonderful Chardonnays and Chablis. And they, like, the Pinot Noir grape is fantastic. It's really, like, from, it's really in a different league uh, when you compare it to Pinot's that come from, say, Willamette Valley in Oregon or, you know, uh, Sonoma Valley in California. They're very different. They're so different and they're so enjoyable. Yeah. Awesome, Hubert. What a wonderful answer to the question. I expected something nice and complex and full and you gave it to me. Thank you for that. (laughs) And perfect, perfect timing. We're up for our first break here. We've been on the air with Hubert Tang, who is a 24-year-old wine sales associate with Vino Volo in San Francisco. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been talking about how Hubert's gotten into his, his work. And after the break, I will learn more about his plans for his future. Stay with us. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here on the air with Hubert Tang, who is a 24-year-old wine sales associate with Vino Volo in San Francisco. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking with Hubert about he got how he got into his career in the wine industry and what he likes about it. And from here, what I want to know next, if we can, Hubert, is I want to understand how it is that maybe you educate your visitors on the wines that you serve and help them maybe expose them to new wines they maybe haven't yet experienced before. What is your approach to working with customers? You know, usually when customers come in, they'll be pretty straightforward about what they want or what they like. Um, they'll they'll give me a flavor profile or a, or a spectrum, and I kind of work with that. Um, for those who really don't know anything about wine, they, they don't really know what they're looking for, I definitely suggest um, glasses of wine that are very, you know, soft, mellow-feeling wines. They're, they're not things that are high-end tannins or acidity. Um, there's something that's really easy drinking, something that will get them curious about wine. And so when when people ask me for help, you know, I, I definitely take the time to listen to them, kind of figure out their quirks, what they're, what they're looking for and what they don't like. Um, and then I just point away to something that I think, I think will fit, fit the profile. And, you know, um, it's really great because uh, at least the Vino Vola store for San Francisco, we have like a 20-bottle pouring menu. So there's definitely something for someone, which is great. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Well, what about those people that are maybe new to wine? Maybe they're curious, maybe even mystified, or maybe even intimidated about wine and descriptions and all the different bottles and such. How do you suggest they approach wine? For people who, like, if if they come into the store, if, if you know, my, my approach would definitely be, I, I talk about, you know, oh, like, like, I, like, I'll use different terms. Like, I'll say sweet wines or not sweet, um, as opposed to saying dry or off dry. Okay, um, interesting. <laughs> you know, uh, sweetness relates to the amount of alcohol, uh, the amount of sugars left, you know, that yeast, um, that yeast has not converted into alcohol yet. So when people talk about a sweet wine, you know, it's, it's usually considered off dry. Um, so, but instead of saying off dry, because I know a majority of people won't get that terminology, I'll say sweet or non-sweet. Uh, do you like it kind of sharp, which is like you know uh, hinting at towards like acidity or crispness, um, things like that. Uh, I definitely, um, if somebody were to come into the store and they didn't know what they want, and I would, you know, the great thing about Vino Bolo is that we offer flights. <laughs> So, you know, I was like, oh, you know what? You like, you should try these these three wines, and you never have to commit to the full glass, which is which is perfect for people who are generally curious, who want to know more about wine, who want to try lots of wine, and it's you know, it's it's great. I I, I always kind of was like, oh, you know, if you want to try all these wines, I can definitely pour you like your very own customized um, tasting flight. You know, just just one, it's, it's fun. Number two, you get to try all these different wines and you kind of ask yourself all these questions with every wine you know you're like oh it's like do i like this or not like is it like is it sweet for me is it not is it not sweet enough or uh, you know is it too sweet is it not sweet enough is it sharp is it not sharp enough 
is it too tannic or is it too full bodied? You know, you ask yourself all these questions and you kind of start figuring out what the customer likes or, you know, what you yourself like if, if you're trying out wine. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I asked that question because it never occurred to me, Hubert, that you might need to really change your terminology when you're dealing with somebody who's maybe just brand new to wine. I just, I've been saying mm-hmm. things like fruit forward and dry and all these sort of things for so many years that I, I didn't even think about how that maybe doesn't make any sense to somebody who doesn't know anything about wine. So I love yeah, that you tailor your approach. That's cool. Yeah, you definitely have to figure out um, a different way to communicate. Um, you know, you can definitely tell when people aren't uh, part of, like, the wine industry when they use certain terms. Like, <laughs> a lot of people associate fruit shortness with being sweet, but that's not necessarily the case. Just because you taste, oh, like, fresh strawberries or blackberries, blueberries, whatever it may be, it doesn't necessarily make the wine sweet, you know. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. it fruit forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this, and, and it's, this is kind of an interesting question for me to ask because I have been drinking wine for a long time, but it does occur to me that I'm not really sure when I go to taste wines, I'm not even sure what I'm looking for. So when we are tasting wines, what are we looking for? What would you suggest we're looking for? There's a couple of things that you want to look for when you taste wine. Um, now, not, not in any particular order, but you're going to want to look for a mouthfeel. Does it coat your tongue? Does it just kind of leave a kind of like like stringing along kind of taste? Like it's just lingering there, or is it sticking to your mouth? Uh, you want to look at you know fruit forwardness. That what we were talking about um, is is the wine heavy on fruit? Um, is it you you want to focus on there's fruit and non fruit elements or effervescence, if you will. Like, you know, when you describe wine for fruit, you say, oh, strawberries, you know, blackberries. For non-fruit elements, you think, oh, oak, you know, uh, dirt, tea leaf, you know, um, things, all these things that you're tasting that kind of culminate in the full glass of wine that you're having. And more, more, most important, the most important thing when you want to do is when you, you ask yourself when you're tasting wine, do I like it? Because the most important thing is whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter if I like the wine that I suggested to you. Whether, you know, if you don't like it, then you don't like it, and then we just have to move on to, you know, something else. You figured out what you don't like to drink, or you figured out that you don't like this uh, specific vineyard of, of wine. So you've learned something in, in the wine world, and that's it. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I've had people rave about wines, and I'm like, okay, well, tell me a little bit about what's the flavor profile. I understand that you like it, but <laughs> tell me what you what. It, how would you describe the wine? And then I make a, a decision as to whether or not I want to actually try it. So that makes yeah. good sense to me. And in in your case, I remember distinctly, I was open to ideas, and you gave me some different suggestions, and it worked. But um, it just depends on how people how people describe it, whether or not I want to I want to believe that I'm, I'm I've got the same flavor that they do in mind, but, um, which does actually make me think about the whole pairing thing. You mentioned pairing earlier and I can remember a time Hubert. I've been drinking wine long enough that I I think it might have been a no, no to drink, you know, white wine with like a steak or something. But I I do Mm. want to ask you, what, what is your, what is your stance on how food pairs with wine? And do people really have to have a glass of red wine with a steak, et cetera, in your view? (laughs) Absolutely not. People do not have to have glasses of red wine with steak. Honestly, um, the since wine is becoming 
um, demystified, if you will. You know, that's kind of what what I want for the wine world. I don't want people to be uncomfortable, you know, having to force themselves to drink wine or be afraid of drinking wine because they're supposed to in like a fancy restaurant or Mm -hmm. something like that when you go out with your friends. Um, But food and wine have have classically gone together. Uh, Food, especially cheeses, go with wine because food has the ability to soften tannins and acidity that's, you know, most, that are found in most wines. They kind of make for that pleasant balance that you don't get from just eating or just drinking. Like when you have a, let's say, you know, you're having something, it's a little bit heavy on the, the sauce side, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like a butter sauce and you think, Oh, it's, it's so buttery. It's so rich. But then when you have that nice wine that pairs with your meal, the acidity from the wine cuts through all that fat, all that creaminess. And what you're left with is just, you know, just a really well balanced, flavor profile that's left in your mouth due to the wine, due to the protein and the vegetables that are on your plate. Um, that makes for, you know, it just kind of brings me back to the whole experience of why I got into wine is because it really is just kind of a magical balance between acidity and, you know, butteriness, um, like richness, if you will. So there's definitely that. <laughs> Hmm. What a what a lovely explanation, Hubert. That was very interesting for me and 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 educational. Thank you for that. Uh, I like to get educated on wine. I don't I don't spend a lot of time really reading about it, but I I do like to be educated about it. So that was useful for mm-hmm. me too. Thanks. Absolutely. Um, and and you know, like this goes back to what I said. It's it's really about what you as the consumer likes. You know, if yeah. if, if you want to have a glass of rosé with your with your steak with a heavy you know cream peppercorn sauce by all means it is it is what you like nobody can tell you that otherwise so yeah do that break break some rules just enjoy what you're just enjoy what you like well it it definitely does seem like uh that that i no longer get those you know those those uh, those looks from from um um, the person serving the food when I say I would like to have a nice glass of Cabernet with my with my shrimp scampi, please. <laughs> they they yeah. no longer frown about that anymore. I think it's becoming much more accepted that we aren't doing the what what used to be seen as traditional fish goes with whites and you know mm-hmm. red meats go with red. So I, I I'm happy to hear that you also have that perspective. Yeah. Well, let's talk about budget. One of the things that I think comes to people's mind when they think about wine is, oh, no, it's going to break the bank. I can't afford to drink wine. I can't, I can't spend all that money. So I've seen wines anywhere from literally $2 a bottle all the way up to a few hundred or maybe even thousands of dollars a bottle, which is just mind-boggling to me. Can you weigh in a little bit on that, Hubert? I mean, can we get a pretty good glass of wine without breaking the bank? Yes, you absolutely can. And I'm so glad that this question was brought up because it's like, this is something that I'm really passionate about because, you know, like we, we, we kind of touched base on, you know, the whole mysticism of wine, how wines that cost more are supposed to taste better than wines that aren't expensive. And that's not true at all. Um, a lot of people, yeah, that kind of leads to the kind of phobia that people have when it comes to trying wines, you know, oh, is this this is only this much or as opposed to not like two hundred dollars it's like oh it's probably not going to be a good wine or I'm afraid of trying wine because it's so cheap you know and, and that's the thing that I want to um, educate people on is that you can find a great 
bottle of wine anywhere between ten to fifty dollars U.S. And you can you can you can find those anywhere at your local you know um, uh, like personal wine business store or a local supermarket um, that that carries wine. There's tons of great wines out there, and um, you know, uh, like I'll, I want to use my favorite region for an example. Um, in Burgundy, you can there's there's so many tiers of grapes. You know, there's uh, Grand Cru, Premier. Um, those are the top two grades of grapes, and and then it goes all the way down to like village grapes. But you can find amazing cheap Burgundies for fifteen. Twenty twenty five dollars a bottle, mm. and they'll taste amazing. And they're easy. They're they're so easily accessible just by going to your local store that you, you can find them anywhere. And mm. you certainly can afford to drink a twenty five dollar bottle of wine, you know, as opposed to having a seventy five dollar bottle of wine or a hundred fifty dollar bottle of wine. Um, also, one kind of interesting. Uh, thing that I will bring up is that most educated wine connoisseurs in the world um, will always, often than not, pick a good bottle that's in that price range between ten to fifty dollars, as opposed to something that's well over a hundred or two hundred dollars a bottle, because mm. it's not something that people drink often. If you buy a bottle that's that expensive, chance most likely people are going to shelve them. You know, they're going to want to save them for a very long time. So they don't drink it right away. And the market in the world is leaning towards, you know, drinking now. Like, traditionally, people would buy wine just for the sake of cellaring them, putting them away, and drinking at a later time. Um, but nowadays, you know, wine, like a majority percent of wine, I believe, I believe it was like 93% of wines drank in the world today are two years old. At most, <laughs> that's every, really interesting. Every day, every day, people are opening bottles that are, you know, currently vintage, twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, twenty twelve. So people are drinking young wines at a very alarming rate, which is good in a sense, because why? Why would you want to buy a bottle just to wait so many years and see if it actually gets better or not? You're really taking a gamble if you're if you're cellaring wines. <laughs> but there's no gamble, really, when it comes to just, oh, buying a bottle for fun, you know, and drinking it pretty much right then and there. Yeah, I've really never had that kind of patience, Hubert, <laughs> to sell our wines. I really don't have that kind of patience. Um, one thing I want to queue up before we, we go on our next break, and we have just a couple minutes before we go on our next break, and I, I do want to find out from you, Hubert, you clearly know some stuff about wine. And I'm curious, I know you went through what you did to get your job at Vino Volo, but do, it sounds like you must do some ongoing education. Are you taking classes? Do you read? Or how do you keep up all this education? Um, a lot of the knowledge that I currently have um, is just, now, now, I know this is going to make you sound like an alcoholic, but you really just learn just by drinking wines. Um, I feel that wine has this kind of mysterious power, and, and, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this. So whenever I pour myself a glass of wine, I always ask myself all these questions, um, like what kind of body is it? What, what kind of wine is it? Um, what does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it remind me of? And I'm asking myself all these questions just from pouring this five-ounce glass of wine. And I don't think that I've ever done that, 
like ask myself so many questions pertaining to other drinks. So when I pour myself like a beer or you know a sake or uh, orange juice, whatever it may be, and nothing that I've ever drank has made me ask myself as many questions as wine has, and that makes you learn. Um, that much more about yourself too, because you ask yourself, "Oh, do I like this? Do I not like this? What don't I like about this? What do I like about this?" So mm-hmm. that that that's a learning process in and of itself. Um, but most most of it is um, I read a lot. <laughs> okay. I read a I, I read a lot of on um, on the world of wine. Um, there's a lot of great books out there. Specifically, um, there's Windows to the World of Wine by Kevin Zerali. And then also another book that I'm reading is called The Wine Bible by Karen McNeil. They're great reads. The books are cheap. They're like $20 under. Um, definitely recommended for people who want to learn about wine or even professionals who, you know, want to do like some basic review. Got it, Hubert. Awesome. I'm going to stop you right there if I can, just because we need to take our our last little short break there. Sorry about that, but thanks very much. I love the fact that part of your your interaction with wine entails you talking to yourself. I love that. (laughs) Um, All right, it's time for a short break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Hubert Tang, who is a 24-year-old wine sales associate at Vino Volo. Stay with us. We'll be with you after the break. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Hubert Tang, who is a 24-year-old wine sales associate at Vino Volo in San Francisco. 
we've been talking about his extensive knowledge of wine over the last bit of time here. And, and from here, what I'd love to do is really hear more about where is your career headed, Hubert? I think when we met, you told me some interesting things about what you'd like to do. So the first thing I want to ask that kind of gets us situated here, when I think about career, so much of it is socially grounded, right? Who, who do we interact with? What do we do? And, and what does our family think about what we're doing? And one of the things that you told me when I was, when I was um, in your store is that nobody in your family really drinks alcohol. So my question is, has it been at all uncomfortable to pursue your career in the wine business, given the situation? You know, it's like I'm so glad that I mentioned that story to you because I think it's something that's very unique um, pertaining to myself. Um, you know, my, my, my grandmother, she's just a stickler for traditional values. She thinks that, you know, drinking is bad for you and, you know, um, she doesn't want bad things to happen to her grandchildren, which is really sweet of her. But, you know, um, most of my family, they have come to accept that I work in the world of wine. Um, they won't really drink with, they, they, they won't drink with me per se, but they understand that I'm doing what I like. And I think that's really um, supportive of them. You know, it really is, Hubert. I'm glad that you, I don't know that I had the question answered when I was there, so I'm, I'm glad I got to ask it here. But the reason I wanted to ask it is because how how we can situate our social support around what we're going to do for our career is so important. And I'm glad to hear that your family supports you, even if they, they don't care to drink wine themselves or any alcohol for that matter. I, I applaud very much that, that they still support your, your wishes. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really nice having just like like people saying, oh, you know what? As long as you're happy and and you and you and it's a, and you like this job, that's really all that matters. It, it 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 took a long time to convince them of that. That's like, oh, this is what I like to do. This is what I'm doing. You know, uh, it took them a while to to turn around, but I'm glad that they did it. They that they did. Well, and I also applaud you for having the courage and the, the wherewithal to, to pursue what you wanted, even if, even if it wasn't something that normally fits into your family milieu. I, I appreciate that as well. I'm sure it maybe wasn't really comfortable at first. <laughs> um, so one of the other things that I, I definitely wanted to bring out on the show, and I think I told you when I met you, is that one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is that you are such a young person who is just starting your career. And that's exciting and energizing and inspiring for all of us. But also because you have such a clear idea of what you want to do and what you like, and and you've got some interesting goals for yourself. One of the things that you told me is that uh, you might want to open your own place one day. So I guess Mm -hmm. what I'd like to have you do, if you would, is would you kind of just sketch for us what is, how would you like your career to unfold? What's the ideal way that you see your career unfolding? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in the near foreseeable future, I definitely want to continue my job over at Vino Volo. Uh, it's been such a wonderful experience so far, and um, I'm enjoying the trip. I'm learning so much, and, but, you know, the company and my coworkers, they accommodate me very well. Um, but, you know, past Vino Volo, um, I definitely want to start taking my Court of Masters. Um, basically, what the Court of Masters is, it is one of the um, legitimate programs in the world that allow you to become a sommelier. So there's basically three levels that you have to take before you can actually call yourself um, uh, a, a sommelier. You have to take a level one, a level two, and then the certified test. So that's when you can actually call yourself, you know, you, like you can put on your resume, I am a certified sommelier under the Court of Masters. Um, so I definitely want to start taking that um, 
it's, it's definitely going to be a lot of crash coursing, um, that's for sure, because I remember speaking to one of the uh, counselors um, for the program, and they said, oh, it's, it's, it's very recommended that you have at least three years wine experience or wine knowledge. And I'm like, oh, man, I have eight months. <laughs> so I definitely don't want to wait like three years. So I'm definitely going to read all I can um, now and kind of, you know, do do blind taste tests, you know, um, you know, just buy a couple of bottles and put them in paper bags and pour them out, see, see, see how, how close I can get. Um, but for goal wise, I definitely want to be a certified sommelier. I don't know if I want to be a advanced or, um, you know, an actual master song. That seems like a very hard work and, um, who knows? We'll see. But in the near future, my plan is to just pretty much build up my palate and become knowledgeable about all things wine. Also, you know, kind of immerse myself in the business aspect of uh, running a restaurant. And, you know, in anywhere between four or five years' time, I definitely want to have my own little wine bar with my own, like, personal menu. Because since I have worked in culinary and I've worked in kitchens, uh, you know, all across San Francisco, that I definitely want to do something unique with the food there. Like, I definitely want to... Like, if you go into, like, a just a casual wine bar, you expect, oh, a couple of wines, and then you expect, oh, cheese plates are, like, like charcuterie boards, things like that. But I want to do something that's kind of like a seasonal uh, prefix pairing, like a four-course. Uh, well, like, what, whatever's in season at the time, do a um, very calculated four-course prefix meal with, you know, four different glasses of wine. Um, I think that would be a fun experience for you know, guests that I have in the future. And I, you know, I, I, I don't think that you can find that um, really outside of a big restaurant. So if I open up my little store, it'll be kind of like a little bridge in between, you know, just a typical wine bar and the upscale restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you know, I love that one because I, I came from an entrepreneur family myself. I'm not sure if we talked about that, but they were farmers first and then restaurant tours second. And there is, and of course, I work for myself today. But what is it? Why is having your own place with this kind of a menu important to you? You know, I, I think um, everybody who who strives to work in the restaurant industry, um, their end goal is always going to be, you know, having a place to call their own. Um, it just it just validates every like all those. Hard, like all the hard work that you put in these last years, whether it be, you know, cooking up an experimental recipe or, you know, going out to a wine country and wine tasting and like all the time that you spend reading, um, all the things, all the, all the time that you spent for work, but not at work, you know, it's really for your own career. And um, I, I like for, for me, I think personally that owning my own store kind of, um, it's really more of a thing to my dad. It's like, hey, you know, it's, um, oh, like, like, let me say that my dad, he never really wanted me to work in the restaurant business to be, to begin with. Um, when I told my dad that I wanted to start cooking, uh, for a profession, he goes, you know, he, 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 he sternly says to me, he goes, I didn't come all the way from China to work so hard so that you could work these kinds of jobs. And <laughs> I thought that was like really sweet of him, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, Dad, you know what? Um, it's not as stressful as a job as you think, you know. 
um, because it's something that I think I see myself in, you know, enjoy doing. So um, it's something that I like, and I've convinced him that this is the path that I want to go. Um, so I think having a own place of my own would kind of signify to my dad that I'm okay without, you know, his help, that, that I can make something for myself. Mm. What a lovely answer, Hubert. I'm so glad that you talked about that and how interesting is it. And again, I want to applaud you on your just stick-to-itiveness, if you will, to really make sure that your family understands, hey, I do want to do this. And I tell you so often when I do workshops or I talk with younger people, they 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 tell me about the experience of how hard it is, the anguish they experience talking with their family about their career wishes if their career doesn't align with what their family wants for them. And it's just so incredibly stressful. And many, 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 many young people kind of give in and they do what their parents want because they want to please them or don't know how to convince them otherwise. And then 10, 20 years later, they go back and do what they really want to do in the first place. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I, I really applaud that you've found a way to respectfully disagree and get your parents and your family to understand what you want and, and, and plow forward. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it definitely wasn't an easy road. You know, anything kitchen related or, you know, uh, you know, restaurant industry related is, is not a easily credible path. <laughs> that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing that strikes me about you, Hubert, as we talk and as I met you, is that you you just seem to have a pretty good head on your shoulders. You seem to be a a pretty good planner in general. I don't know if you think of yourself that way, but um, do you? Do you think of yourself as having a pretty good head on your shoulders, pretty pretty good at planning? That's actually, like, pretty funny that you asked me this question because um, I don't think I've ever been the greatest of planners. Um, I think, um, you know, when, when I was younger, I was just kind of, go with the flow, we'll see what happens, uh, like, kind of uh, kind of thing. But um, post-culinary school and, you know, working at these big restaurants um, definitely changed my focus. Um, you really have to, you know, just, just like your show says, you know, working on purpose, you know, you really have to work and strive towards something. And, you know, um, when I really wasn't sure what I was going to do, I, I felt really kind of, you know, dis- disorganized. I felt I was out of place because I wasn't sure what I was going to do. But when I found that I liked, you know, to cook and when I found out that, you know, wine was definitely the path that I want to take, you just kind of, like, focus yourself on it. And then, um, so, like, I knew that I was going to work in restaurants and then just kind of made a plan, you know, given some years' time, like, what do I want to develop? Like, there's a lot of short-term goals that I made for myself. Um, you know, such things as, oh, like getting promoted to a lead line cook or sous chef and, you know, taking these tests so I can become an actual sommelier. These are short-term goals that I've made for myself that um, will help me out no matter what I do in the long run. They'll always be, you know, assets to me. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's impressive. It's really impressive, and I think it's a you're you're a nice model for other young people that are are trying to to find their way and figure out their path. So I I, I appreciate that, and I, that's one of the reasons again I wanted to have you on the show because you represent what so many people want, Hubert. They want to figure out what they want to be when they grow up, even when they're sixty or seventy or whatever it is. Um, and I'm not kidding. There's a lot of people out there that I meet who are really literally in their fifties and sixties and say, "Gosh, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we're coming to the close here. I think I have just time for one more question for you, Hubert. And I guess what I would like to have you do, if you would, is 
you know, there's, we have listeners literally all over the world, all different ages, all different professions. For anybody out there listening, what advice might you want to offer to people who are considering their career options and maybe just starting their career, whether they're young like you or maybe they're starting their second or third career? What would be useful advice, do you think, from your vantage point? Maybe what's helped you? I think that, you know, um, you should, uh, for people who, you know, don't know what they're doing right now, I think that's totally fine. It definitely takes some time to consider um, what you think is a um, suitable career option for yourself. Don't pressure yourself with, um, you know, uh, don't pressure yourself into saying, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. When in reality, it's just like you should really take a moment to think about what you want to do. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer of not doing anything unless you really are 100% sure. Um, and like I said, it's, it's okay to flip you know, flip-flop around, whether you're in college, you know, taking your, um, like, like GE classes or whether you're already, you know, working a nine-to-five job that you may or may not like. Um, the, the most important question that you can ask yourself is, are you 100% sure that, that this is it, that this is what you want to do? And if it is, then you should plan out accordingly, you know, set up some small-term goals for yourself like I have. Um, just, simple, achievable things, and that does wonders for your mentality, really. Um, you can always leave out future plannings, but, you know, always um, remember to think about them every now and then. Always be considerate to your own future because it, it is what it is. It, it's your own future. It's what you're going to become, you know, in, you know, a few years' time. Wonderful. So definitely. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I need to stop you there because we're running out of time here. But uh, I want to thank you for that, for that last thought. And thank you very much for being on the show. It's been great to have you. No, oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been so much fun being on the show. It's You're welcome. It's a experience that I won't forget. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. That's wonderful. Well, we've, I've enjoyed having you. Um, we've been on the air with Hubert Tang. And Hubert, your, your, your wisdom, your passion for wine is palpable. I've learned so much from you today. And listeners, if you do want to reach out to Hubert after the show, if, you, if you've got a wine question or if you want to tell him how awesome he is, you can reach him by email. His email address is htangsc at yahoo.com. Is that right, Hubert? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so let me spell it for you. H-T-A-N-G-S-C at yahoo.com. Appreciate you having having you with us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Looking forward to next week. Remember that work is one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.